Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 18 of the Great Canadian Hockey Podcast. For myself, James Percy, and my co-host, Aiden Sarah, it's, uh, we're back. We're back after a short little hiatus. We both had a little busy chunk. I went to go visit some family. I had some work to do. Aiden came to come to BC, and uh, we got to see each other for the first time in a while. It had been far too long. Share the nice meal. Well, share it. Is it sharing a meal if you're not sharing the food? Is it? I don't know. But yeah, <laughs> how are you doing, man? How's things? They're good. It's, uh, you know, the traveling home is 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 always about as bittersweet as it gets, really. It's so quick. Yeah, it definitely is. Like, it, it, you know, I'm there for a few days. And you know what? Like, the other thing, too, is, you know, I didn't take vacation time. It's just that we bounced Calgary in five in the first round. So it was good to get back, obviously, even though, uh, even though it wasn't too much of a break. It was just uh, being able to work with my friends and family for, for once. Um, but we got a second round going this weekend. Uh, game one loss, game two win. So we're 1-1 one, one going on the road. Not bad, not bad. How do you feel? How do you feel? How's the faith in the boys? Good. Uh, just because it's a bounce back, right? They It was probably their worst game definitely their worst game of the playoffs in game one. It might've been their worst game. I've seen them play definitely their worst game on home ice of like the calendar year. Um, and then they remedied that uh, the next night, right? Everything that was kind of going wrong. It it didn't, you know, everything that could have gone, gone wrong in game one went wrong and everything that they needed to fix in game two, they fixed. So it'll be an interesting, uh, interesting games three and four on the road to see, uh, see what kind of a game five I'm going to be seeing at home. I think just like being around a team at any level for playoffs is such a cool thing. Like you get to see all the highs and lows emotionally, physically, everything in between. Like, how are these guys feeling? Do you think right now? Like, like, is it optimism? Is it hype? Like, like, is it, is it determination? Like, what is it? What's the vibe going on there? It seems like they're, they've got a good balance going. Cause even after game one, it wasn't, uh, it didn't seem too. it wasn't too doomsday. Like that was the, First time they lost on home ice in like a month and a half, right? Um, it wasn't too doomsday. It was pretty light. And, and you know, I w- even the next morning, Saturday morning when I was in there, uh, before they went over video, the vibe was still pretty light. The vibe was still like, okay, you know, uh, last night's behind us. Take the positives, learn from the negatives, and move on. Um, I have one – there's one guy on the team that him and I just kind of have almost uh, – <laughs> it's kind of started by accident, but before every game he'll go and he'll tape his twig in in the seats and I'll, I'll make the walk from the broadcast booth. He'll sit there and we'll just talk about the game that's, that's happening. And he'll, you know, he'll kind of give me the insight into how the room's feeling. And, you know, it was, he even told me like, everybody knows game one was the anomaly and, and game two was, was then, you know, after game two, they were all fired up, right. Winning in overtime and uh, coming through to tie the series up would have been a, would have been a tough, tough ask for them to have to go on the road down two buzz and and play a game five at home that was going to be anything but an elimination game against them. So with this player, is that superstition or habit? Um, I'm pretty sure it's habit because we've done it now through like wins and losses. It's not like <laughs> I only talk to him when they win. Um, oh, I mean, just like the going and sitting in the stands and taping the stick by himself. Oh, I don't know. I haven't asked him. And I don't, I generally don't like to ask players about superstition because it like points it out to them. Yeah. You know, like you just gotta, you know, he's there. I go and I chat with him and, and, you know, 
he, he, he leaves when the team's going to have their scheduled meeting and, and I go back and I get ready. Right. It's not, uh, it's not something I need to, I need to like pry about like, Oh, why do you come tape your stick in these, in these seats every game? It's just, you know, just something he does. And, you know, no matter what he's playing well, I don't want to mess with his head. I like that. I like that quite a bit. Uh, but yeah, I guess it's, uh, it's time to get into some pro hockey. We, we have a lot to go through. This is probably going to be a decently long episode. And, you know, the first couple chunks of news might be a little bit outdated, but that's just because we're catching up on lost time. And and realistically, we just like to talk about sports. Like, we talk about six-month-old news. Like, when Aiden and I grabbed dinner, the it was such a tangent-filled hockey conversation. It was amazing. It was It was that kind of thing where it was like, Oh yeah, but this player did this in 2017. So where did that come from? <laughs> Dude, the funniest thing was I had something I actually wanted to talk to you about. And then we only brought it up when we were walking to our cars after. That's how tangent filled it was. I had one thing that I wanted to say, and then I completely forgot to say it the entire time we were sitting in the restaurant. It's because I have pretty eyes. Yeah, that's that helps. <laughs> <laughs> It was All a right, restaurant but... where we were we were sitting like directly across from each other. It was like a two person table, so it wasn't like I I didn't have anywhere else to look, so I had to. No, see. you're just stuck. Yeah, you're hypnotized. <laughs> oh, first things first, the uh, World Baseball Classic. It's uh, I'm not a baseball guy by any means. I don't dislike the sport. I just don't really watch it. It's just like the least watched of all sports for me. Like I. Odds are I'm probably watching golf more times a year than I'm watching baseball. Um, I I honestly like the storylines in golf just as much. And and as we've covered, I'm a pretty storyline-driven guy when it comes to sports. But I love the idea of the World Baseball Classic. Because it's something that's not Olympics, where it's best-on-best best international teams, and it ends with Otani striking out Trout. Like, that's two of the best players in the world, potentially of all time. And it's best on best to the end. And like, dude, you saw McDavid's comments. It's best on best. That's what we all want. It's dumb that we don't have it, pretty much. That's that's pretty much how I feel. And I imagine that's exactly how you feel. It is. And the sentiment around a best on best tournament is that it would have happened next year, if not for what's happening with Russia, because the European countries were basically like, we're not doing this if we're playing Russia, like you're doing this without Russia or you're not doing it with us. Um, So I sympathize with the kind of uh, external factors out of the NHL's control piece of that. Uh, But with that being said, it's it's I, I think we did it during an episode around the end of December, the beginning of January, where it was like a, a Christmas wish list. And one of the things on my wish list was just some sort of a solidified direction when it comes to a best on best tournament. Um, and I actually, I'm going <laughs> to, we have a second topic, James, I'm going to actually group those. I have something to say about the best on best stuff, but I'm actually going to group it in with what the second topic's about. Uh, so I'll pause for now. Um, I'll let you finish on the best on best and then we'll move on and then I'll revisit it in a, in a couple of minutes here. Well, the thing with the best on best and the Russia obstacle is we've had Russian players not in the Olympics for hockey or sorry, Ru- Russian flag not in the Olympics for hockey. I feel like you let the Russian players play under no flag. Yeah. And uh, again, I, I, 
kind of had that thought, but if if the sentiment from all of the other European nations unified is no, period, then, you know, like, it, you're presenting that as a compromise, maybe, sure, but if if they're saying no, then the answer is no, right? You already saw the IIHF extend the ban on Russia and Belarus that, that they had in place for the World Championships, so... Yeah, like I, th- that was kind of where my mind went to. But at the end of the day, it's it's less kind of about the NHL justifying it to themselves. It's more about the NHL justifying it to those other European countries that are saying no. And if those other European countries are still unhappy with that as a solution, then you haven't found a solution. Yeah, or just not include them, I guess. That's And, and that's that's hard too, right? It's hard to have a best-on-best best tournament without – you know, I, I don't even think it's arguable. I think historically Russia is is number two in hockey, period. I don't even think that's questionable. So you're having a best on best tournament, first time in a long time, and you're missing your number two all time country. You can't really True. You know, yeah, you hard. got a very strong point there. I uh I don't disagree with you. I just think uh I'd rather a tournament without them than no tournament at all. Me too. I don't disagree with that. I'm just yeah, no, I, I think you're right about that. It's more just yeah. Or just realistically, it's going to be a hard swing. Well, on to the next one. Uh, Bennington does some craziness. Him and Fleury kind of almost fight, but then don't. Uh, I wish they did. I think that would have been hilarious. And I want to see a full-blown goalie fight. I don't want refs getting in the way of any of that. Let them swing blockers at each other. I don't care. Have fun. Get out of all of your feral demons. Release them. Have fun. That's how I feel. And yeah, Bennington got suspended and he probably deserved it. That's pretty much all I have to say on that one. Yeah, I think the Bennington suspension, it's, I think the two games, James is less like you're getting two games for what you did to Ryan Hartman and more you're getting two games because you've been a clown and we need to tell you that these antics aren't okay, right? And it's more so a culmination suspension than a specific incident suspension. Can you think of um, any other like culmination style suspensions? I uh, not when there hasn't been other supplemental discipline. Like obviously, repeat offender gets considered. Yeah. When like you know, like Rafi Torres got twenty five games for laying out Marion Hosa, didn't he? Something stupid yeah. like you know, Rafi Torres. If that was his first suspension, that's no more than ten, right? That hit itself. No, no shot. That's more than ten. Um, the really long Tom Wilson one. The Tom Wilson one too. Yeah, that was definitely just because he was a repeat offender. But I've never seen a culmination suspension where it's like, okay, this is your first suspension, but because you've been doing a bunch of dumb crap, then it, it, we're gonna we're gonna give you more of more of a suspension than we would have, right? Not to say two games is a long time, but I'm pretty sure Bennington skipped the fine in one game stage of the of the discipline process, right? Yeah, it makes sense. I. <laughs> Honestly, I I didn't really have much to say on this one just because I'm curious how are you how are you looping this one in? Well, okay, so this is you know, and and I I do this sometimes where I I kind of you know this is probably the whole reason <laughs> this in essence is is part of the reason I don't like the Toronto Maple Leafs as much as I don't like the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's because you know the the loudest voices are the ones you see the most, right? And that isn't always indicative of the overall feeling of hockey fans or of sports fans in general, but it's the ones that are the loudest Uh, on social media recently, you know, every time you see these comments pop up almost every time, like a Connor McDavid does an interview or every time somebody criticizes like a player for doing something flashy that ended up in the back of their net. Right. It's always this argument about like, 
hockey players have the least personality, right? Um, uh, hockey itself is a boring sport for it, right? You don't have these people you can get behind. And, and it's it's uh, part of it as well, James, is like uh, hockey's the game of hockey like needs to keep growing, right? That's a huge part of it. And, and you know, we, we had that conversation when we were talking about expansion where the NHL isn't going to expand to Quebec because they don't feel like they need to grow the game in Quebec more than they already have. And, and they, they feel they need to do that in Houston or in Atlanta, right? Okay, so my whole thing with both the Jordan Bennington thing and the best on best thing is I just think the growing the game of hockey or even just making it an allure to people that wouldn't always be a fan is just... Every time this conversation gets brought up, I think the wrong things get talked about, right? The, the conversation always circles around, you know, why does Trevor Zegras get criticized for scoring a Michigan in a 6 nothing game, right? Like, why does, uh, why does um, you know, why do these players get criticized for their their short, concise answers that, you know, the hockey answers in those, those interviews, right? Um, to me, the criticism of <laughs> of hockey as a whole is summed up perfectly in the first two points. Number one, you have something like a best-on-best tournament that there doesn't seem to be any motivation behind getting off the ground. And number two, James, Marc-Andre Fleury's wearing a microphone in that game. Is a Fleury-Bennington fight with Fleury Mike not literally the most most watched clip of all time? What the hell are the linesmen doing? What the hell is the NHL doing sending the linesmen in there? Much to the chagrin of some people, uh, fighting's a part of hockey, right? What the hell are they doing going in there and breaking that up? You have all this like, oh, we need to grow the game. All these superstars need to be more, they need to be more themselves, right? Uh, we have to stop criticizing the the flashy stuff. You know, the, the, the old mentality of hockey has to go away because then that's going to grow the sport. That's going to make it more alluring to a wide audience. You know what would have been the most alluring thing of the freaking season is Jordan Bennington fighting a mic'd up Marc-Andre Fleury. Why are the linesmen in there? I do not understand why you need feel the need to break up something that is going to be punished, right? You're going to get, they're both going to get, take their penalty, right? We saw Mike Smith and Cam Talbot fight uh, in the battle of Alberta a couple of years ago. That's a very famous moment. They both got kicked out of the game because it was a secondary fight. So it's not like these goalies are immune to the punishments that would come with fighting. I just, I, I can't wrap my head around the fact that I, you know, we see all this mantra about, Hockey needs to grow and these superstars need to be more themselves. And, you know, the sport even off the ice or away from the game, the sport is boring. And it's like, okay, well, instead of trying to force hockey down the throats of people in Houston or Atlanta, right, instead of being like, oh, look, we have a superstar that came out of Arizona or we have a superstar that came out of California. Look how much the game's growing. It's like, yeah, that's fantastic. How about you now give the fans what they want if they want to grow the game? And speaking of giving the fans what they want, we might as well go into this next, James, because this is another kind of really, really crappy NHL uh, decision here. What, why, why with fanatics? Okay. I don't understand. Do you own a fanatics Jersey, James? God, no. You know what? I, I, I appreciate what they do as far as providing like a, a rep because genuine NHL jerseys. Like if you go and buy an Adidas Jersey, I bought one at the Canucks team store a couple of years ago. I play, I think I paid $315 getting a fanatics Jersey for 150 bucks. If it, if you know, if the material is okay, but I need to hold it first. Right, because I I cannot tell you how many times I've seen pictures of these fanatics jerseys that are just either in awful condition or have these stupid misprints on them. Like it actually seems like if if you look on social media for what people have received after they've ordered a fanatics jersey, you would think 
that the requirement to work at that company is you have to be plastered every single time you show up to work. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's terrible. And I just, I can't understand the, the NHL's decision to go away from like, honestly, dude, these reverse retro jerseys. I love them. I loved this crop this year. It was awesome. You have like some of the best jerseys that we've seen in the NHL in years, the Rangers one, the Islanders one. I love the Canucks one. Um, and you know, the Jersey provider does that design too. Like Fanatics is going to be responsible for helping or fully themselves designing third jerseys and reverse retro jerseys. And we're putting it in the hands of a company that can't correctly spell the Jared Spurgeon's last name. Like I just, it's mind boggling to me, this decision. And it's just, not again, mention, it's not to mention that Adidas Climacool fabric is the best fabric to ever grace a hockey jersey. Yeah. 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 I have my, <laughs> my, Ron, my Ron Francis one up there is uh is an adidas one and it's just yeah i'm just yeah i don't i don't get it um again it's it's kind of back to what i'm saying all this stuff about growing the game of hockey all this stuff about uh all this stuff about making this sport more alluring more interesting to people i'm pretty sure you and i even had the conversation like hockey jerseys are kind of becoming trendy well if they're going to be these pieces of crap you can say bye to that right like um so so what i'm saying basically is there's so much about growing the game of hockey it's like okay well i don't want to hear it when you alienate the fans by not having a best on best tournament by sending your linesmen in to break up what might have been the literal might might have been the most watched fight of all time the most famous fight of all time jordan bennington's been doing this clown stuff for a year and you have one of the most beloved goalies in mark andre Fleury going to beat the crap out of him for it with a microphone on you cannot tell me that wouldn't have been primetime television that wouldn't have been the most watched NHL clip of the year by far and bar none. And you have the NHL making this decision to go with this Jersey provider that has consistently time and time again, proved they cannot handle even the small sample size of, 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 of NHL gear that they already put out and how, you know, like look it up. Just, I implore everybody listening to this, go look up NHL fanatics jerseys, even just on social media, people posting their like, misspelled last names you know like people getting hats where the logo is upside down like it's just it's a bunch of stuff that literally does make you think that whoever is making these packaging these and delivering them are all (laughs) drunk like it's it's bad and it's the fact that we're walking away from adidas who have made both some of the nicest looking and nicest feeling nhl jerseys to go to this is just it's it's a blow and it's a massive disappointment do you want the actual reason fanatics is taking over do you have something like in front of you or is this? Oh, I'm very familiar with this because of my hobby. Okay, go. Fanatics has been conducting very slowly a mass takeover of sports collectibles and memorabilia. They bought tops, like the trading card company. That's theirs now. And they uh, are like, they either have or are securing uh, licenses with, um, uh, sports leagues that traditionally had had um, exclusive deals with Tops or Panini. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, within the next decade, football, basketball, and baseball will all only have trading cards coming from Tops. Only officially licensed ones. That is right. Yeah. Or, or at least, uh, or at least a majority. Like Fanatics has been sinking their teeth into everything for quite a while now and this is just another brick in the wall i am 
I don't, I have no business knowledge or acumen. I don't know what billionaire owns fanatics or what committee, but they're ambitious. They want everything. They want to take over everything and give nothing back. And, well, and they were uh, already, and, and that's yeah. the thing is like, they were already allowed to make Jersey replicas. Like I have, if I turn around my Canucks jerseys, my Canucks jerseys in my closet, I've got an Adidas uh, Patterson one. I've got an Adidas Horvat one. Uh, both of those were their 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 uh, alternates in the uh, 2020 season. And then I've got my Tyler Mott one's a uh, Fanatics one from the 2021 season. Um, and I like that jersey. I do. Like, I, But it's it's more just the fact that they've been allowed to sell these replica jerseys and they just swing and miss so often, right? And I haven't personally experienced it. The two Fanatics jerseys I've bought have been solid right <laughs> um but just how often they seem to mess up is just like you know prove that you can <laughs> prove that you can handle the small sample size that you're handling before we give you the keys to the literal like all the jerseys in the nhl right like and i'm, ju I'm just shuddering to think i'm just shuddering to think what a company like that is going to do to like designs of jerseys right like the, the next batch of thirds or reverse retros that roll out and i'm sure i think reverse retro was like an adidas thing so i don't think we'll see that anymore with the new fanatics deal um but the other thing too is like the reverse retro concept of the, the the concept of each team having a new third jersey in one year that was new with reverse retro that never really happened before right you had teams unveil third jerseys kind of just haphazardly whenever they felt like it um, and I really, really like the concept of like, oh, every other or every three years, we're gonna roll out these new third jerseys that are that that follow a theme or whatever. Like I thought that was really cool. Um, and unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, whether or not something like that continues to happen, it will no longer be done in any sort of coherent or positive way is kind of how I'm looking at this. Well, I mean, as I said, I have zero business knowledge or acumen, but they're not idiots. They're gonna look at they're gonna look at what's made money and those reverse retro jerseys pulled in so much money. So they're gonna be like, look, we can do some retro spin thing too. It might blast from the past presented by fanatics, you know, like it, it you never know what it's gonna be. They will do something though. Like they won't just make boring jerseys just only home jerseys all the time, only home away jerseys all the time. It's they will do different things. Like they're going to come to the table with stuff. That is going to be a fact. So I have an ask then. <laughs> I want I just want to know what your 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 thought on this is. So something that I always think of when I watch the World Juniors, I really love to watch games where Sweden is the away team because oh. Sweden's away jersey is yellow. So when they're playing like the Czechs, you get to see like a yellow against a red uh, matchup right i'd actually love okay. to see the nhl go to like if if the carolina hurricanes are playing the vancouver canucks i actually don't see a reason one team has to be wearing white i think it would look really cool to see the okay the, the deep blue with the bright red right like you see it in soccer sometimes where um you know like i think um i think uh oof, it would have been the last world cup final france against argentina they're both wearing their home jerseys right yeah. Um, the the final between Portugal and France. France is wearing their home blue. Portugal is wearing their home red. Like it just though those that to me looks really cool. Um, and it's not that I dislike white jerseys. I, I do like uh away jerseys. I, I completely like I've I've no problem with them. It's just more, 
Um, if they're going to take it on a unique road, I'd love to see like the green Dallas against the, against the, like the black Pittsburgh, right? Like something like that. Yeah. I want to see a Nashville mustard against, uh, against a Pittsburgh gold. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and it, there's instances where it doesn't work, right? Like you can't have a Calgary, Washington, uh, red on red and just have, have it just be a complete dumpster fire of a game where people are throwing bombs up the middle to the other team. Cause they think they're. They think they're teammates, right? It it doesn't work with it doesn't work with a lot of teams, but the teams where it does work, you know, like something as contrasting as a as a Minnesota Wild Green uh, with a with a Philadelphia Flyers orange, right? Like something like that. I just think that would look super cool. Hundred percent, and i I think I think the best thing to do when going into this Fanatics jersey conversation is to have optimism the initial reaction when i saw it i was disappointed as well but the fact of the matter is we've only seen them make replicas what like they're not just going to be making 150 dollars jerseys anymore they won't even have 150 dollars versions anymore i I doubt it at least they're just gonna have yeah they're just gonna have the full price ones which will probably be 350 dollars canadian a piece by that time because of inflation Honestly, I'm just glad. I'm just. I'm, I am just glad that I. Uh, I bought my. Uh, you know, I've been wanting a Crosby jersey. I've been wanting a McDavid jersey. I bought my Crosby one, the reverse retro this year. I'm still thinking about getting a McDavid Oilers reverse retro for this year. So get a McDavid wanna, Canada World Junior Canada. Dude, I want a, if but I want a Bedard jersey. If he gets drafted by most of the teams, he'll probably get drafted by. I'm gonna get a Bedard Canada one. I don't want like a Bedard Sharks jersey. Like, I just, what about a I Bedard? Ducks, Mighty Ducks jersey. I would still probably get a Bedard Canada jersey. What about a Bedard Kachina? Honestly, I I can't get a Coyotes jersey, man. I just I, I, I I'm not in Arizona. Like my buddy has a Coyotes Kachina jersey, and it's really cool. It's just it's not for me. Like I just I don't want a Coyotes jersey. Probably looked at as the most fashionable jersey for people who don't even like hockey. Yeah, yeah, and that actually might be factoring into it. okay yeah 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 dare to be different look at you well not even dare to be different dare to like not be the hockey fan that isn't a hockey fan (laughs) well shall we get into some uh some daily nhl news some rumblings some tumblings and some scorings i don't know that trailed off fast rumblings and tumblings was all right though What's next? Well, I mean, we kind of have daily NHL news. We got something that happened a while ago that I think is going to really impact uh, the Metro Division playoffs. Yeah. Andrei Svechnikov injured, done for the year. Probably, honestly, like he's probably not even good till like training camp next year, maybe even a little bit into the season. Yeah, Svechnikov. Yeah, it hurts Carolina, man. That hurts Carolina a lot. Twenty three years old. The tough thing is too because they had already lost Pacioretty, and then they didn't go after a forward at the deadline other than acquiring Puljujarvi, who hasn't really wowed at all, even though he's been given some pretty decent opportunities so far. I think uh, they might be in a little bit of trouble unless some guys step up. I don't know who's going to step up. Someone's going to have to. It's. Uh, I was going to say. Puliarvi hasn't wowed. Puliarvi hasn't put up a point in eight games. We're recording this on Sunday night, and he has yet to score with Carolina in any sort of fashion. He's even yeah, on assist yet? No, okay. he's he's zero and eight. Um, oh. we've talked about Marty Natchez a lot on this podcast. He's the fact filthy. that 
the fact that he's having the season he's having is definitely like kind of saving Carolina's butts right now. But if you take Natchez's production, like he's got 68 points in 72 games, I would have expected him to put up half that, right? And if you take this year, yeah, I mean, what? 34 points to now. He had 40 points last year. I wouldn't have, uh, you know, I, I, I like think he was going to step it up. No, because he had, he had a, he regressed last year, that shortened 2021 season. He had like, he was maybe 10 under a point per game, but he was a stud that year. And then his game to me last year, James just took such a step back. So it's not like this you guy was, was getting a permanent fall off, not like a, a late sophomore slump. Yeah, honestly, that was kind of how I felt. Oh, okay. Um, I definitely just thought he was a slump. No, I, I kind of was like, okay, well, you know, this guy, <laughs> this guy's, this guy's, uh, this guy's development is something happened. You know, it's, he's going to take a while to get back to the player that he could be. Right. It was kind of my thinking, but even then, if, if you take, <laughs> if you take Natchez and what he's doing, it, it, you know, you got Sebastian Ajo, who's got 33 goals in 65 games, but he's still under a point per game. And you've got Tara Vinen, who's not having nearly his best season. He's only got 36 points in 62 games. Kolka Niemi, 36 and 72 Seth Jarvis even okay, yeah, hasn't I mean, taken been solid that. lately. Yes, he no, totally. I I don't mind him. I've never been as much of a Cook and Yemi hater as like it seems like it's trendy to be. Um, <laughs> but even Seth Jarvis, he he's not regret. He hasn't really regressed this season, but he definitely hasn't taken the step forward that everybody expected him to. So you have this Carolina Hurricanes team now, where it's it's all it's basically Aho and Natchez kind of against the world here, and. You know, as much as I like their defense, you know, having that combination of like the Brady Shea, uh, Jacob Slavin, Brett Pesci with having Brent Burns and and, and Shane Gostaspear now to the guy they acquired at the deadline. Like I like that defense setup and it's it's still something they could win a playoff series with. I really do think that not acquiring a, an impact forward at the deadline is going to be completely and utterly what ruins for them what definitely could have been a Stanley Cup winning season this year. Hear me out. Hear me out. Convert Burns back to a winger. That would be, <laughs> that'd be ballsy. <laughs> it would be fun. I'll tell you that. That'd be, that'd be a story, man. That'd be a story. <laughs> no, I, I'm a big Andre Sveshnikov fan. I've, I've been a big fan of his game since he, since before he even came into the league. Like I, it sucks to see, especially for a team that had legitimate Stanley Cup aspirations. Maybe they still do. Maybe other guys step up. But it's just really hard to see considering how competitive that division and that conference honestly just is. Yeah, and um, something that I, I told you that we were going to do at the end of the podcast, we're going to have a, a playoff uh, playoff wish list. And uh, I do touch on the Metro Division in that. So I'll talk more about the Metro Division playoffs when we get there. <laughs> Oh God, we're gonna talk more about Metro Division playoffs. It feels like this conversation is never gonna end. I hope they all just get toasted and then it just it just ends. I mean, one team's got to come out. That's the way this playoff format is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not even gonna talk about one to eight. I don't even wanna. I don't even wanna bring up that conversation at this point. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think there's anything to talk about other than everybody wants it seemingly. Gary Bettman, again, much like he was when he said that everybody is so happy with the digital ad boards that suck. Um, <laughs> doesn't seem to have a grasp. Either doesn't seem to have a Bank grasp. Accounts just, are happy. I'm, yeah, yeah. It's just, again, you're you're yet again, though, alienating your fans and, and not giving a crap what they want or think, much like you're doing when you refuse to solidify a best-on-best tournament or, <laughs> for some reason, jump in to stop Marc-Andre Fleury and Jordan Bennington 
having what would be the most famous fight of all time. All right. I am currently tangent proof as I'm just mildly exhausted right now. So I'm I'm mildly helpful when it comes to this situation, at least a little bit more so than usual, I'd say. Uh, next up, we have one Mr. Owen Tippett to talk about and his breakout season. This guy's actually been like quietly kind of sick. And then if you watch Philly play, like have you watched Philly play at all the past like 30 games? Uh, twice, if that. Okay, yeah. So I, I, uh, middle of the season, I wasn't watching as much hockey, but, uh, the, uh, I just wasn't finding as much time for it. It was like either late night games or early games or just like on in the background or, or, uh, catching up on highlights or, or watching it event wise with people, right? But I've been watching a lot more lately and, uh, damn, Owen Tippett looks good. That guy has hustle, and I never remember seeing hustle out of him in any of the games he played in Florida. Like, yeah, he'd come in and have a good shift here and there, but no, this is like steady, good game start to finish, looking dangerous and useful every time he's out there. I'm I'm a big fan. I always thought he was fairly one-dimensional, but dude, he looks very good. And, you know, that's that's just another silver lining that Philly has this year. That's... When you have a brutal year, a rebuild year, retool year, bounce off the cliff year, you have to find those small victories and those silver linings. Yeah, Owen Tippett for me, I definitely agree with you that uh, um, him being like a super hardworking player, I think is a John Tortorella byproduct. It's just kind of about the fact that Tippett's bought into Tortorella's uh, system and Tortorella's uh, way of life there in Philadelphia. Um, it, for me, it, it definitely makes that Claude Giroud trade how much better, right? Like, it, it, Claude Giroud tied Philly's hands. He was like, I just want to go to Florida. So they, you know, much like that Patrick Kane to the Rangers this year, they didn't have any leverage. And they traded for a 23-year-old Owen Tippett that was, you know, in his second NHL, second full NHL season, had played 40-odd games at that point, hadn't produced, had came, coming off a rookie year where it was 18 points in 45 games. Um and you know they they took a chance on the project and i i you know it were it's working out it's working out great 21 goals and 40 points in 67 games so far and for the philadelphia flyers to me james he looks like he's somebody that is is going to be on that team when they when they when they start their upswing right him travis konechny uh morgan frost joel farabee you're kind of starting to see that core come together um i i've always liked cam york and and you have somebody like tyson forster who stepped in so far he's got three goals and seven points in eight games coming up from the lehigh valley phantoms he was a 2020 first rounder and it's it's you know all of a sudden you've got uh yeah i picked them up in fantasy attaboy attaboy yeah, yeah gotta try and catch third <laughs> but you know if you're not first you're last so it's a great movie <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Forrester kind of segues into uh, what I want to talk about a little bit here. We talked about this an episode or two ago with Taylor Radish, a guy making the most of opportunities. I believe we talked about two episodes in a row because I think I said he was going to step up and then he did. And I was like, ah, yes, validation. I do know stuff. (laughs) And then, uh, yeah, it's... um, There's a lot of guys that are doing this kind of thing. Like, you look in Nashville... Tommy Novak, Phil Tomasino. Those guys are sick right now. It's almost every game they're putting up points. And they're playing heavy minutes too. 
Like I've looked at some games Novak's playing like 18, 19 minutes. And I will be fully honest. I had almost zero idea who he was before this season. The only reason I knew who he was is because in my franchise mode, I had him signed to a two-way contract on my AHL team for probably 12 years. Like I was well, and, and, very unaware. And uh, James, we've talked about this. I, I work, I work in, I work in junior a hockey. So I'm always a fan of the guys that are tier two to NCAA and work out from there. And that was Thomas Novak. He was a USHL kid, third round pick, played four years at the university of Minnesota. And, you know, from the Milwaukee Admirals, he worked his way up and he is having, he's, he's having an unreal year for somebody who, you know, sort of came off the map, right? Like for Milwaukee in 21, 22, seven goals and 34 points in 42 games. That's solid. But then this year, 11 goals, 26 points in 25 games gets the club. He's got 14 goals and 33 points in 40 games. He's the fourth highest scoring Nashville predator on their roster right now. <laughs> That's crazy for somebody who, yeah, like I, I knew who he was. I definitely, I definitely didn't know a thing about him before this season. Um, and you got Tomasino as well, 15 points in 20 games. I saw this out of Tomasino though. I was actually shocked that he didn't start the season in Nashville this year, like Agreed. completely floored. Uh, Cause he had 32 points in 76 games last year as a 20 year old rookie. Like I did not see that coming at all, but he's, you know, he, he, he put in his time in the AHL. He didn't pout about it. He worked hard, worked his way back up and now he's playing pretty well in Nashville again. Yeah. And you know, even if maybe he was down in the dumps about it early in the year, who knows? Like we weren't there, but he clearly came into it with the right work ethic and attitude and earned his spot. And you love to see it. You just love to see that kind of thing. And then on the Tyson Forrester note, like, dude, that's a 2020 first rounder. That's not that long ago. A lot of people forget that you go back 10, 15 years in the NHL. There's lots of draft picks. that are taking four or five years, even forwards to come in and make a decent impact. Six years. Sometimes who knows? Guys could be 24, 25 and just getting in there. But well, that 2020, that 2020 draft, I still, I still think Quinton Byfield is going to be an effective top six NHL centerman. And, me too. You know, yeah. He passes and, the eye test. Oh, for sure. Uh, you've got, you've, you've got guys like Marco Rossi who, you know, the, I think, you know, <laughs> COVID hit Rossi a lot harder than it hit some of his other players in his draft year. He didn't have a great start to the year, but he's having a good year in Iowa, right? You look at that 2020 draft. There's still guys, man. There's still guys that are going to come. Yaroslav Iskarov's having a good year in the in the A, right? Cole Perfetti's in his rookie year right now. Alexander Holtz is still going to come. Like, there, there's names here, right? There's names here that are still coming. Well, we kind of have an exciting date coming up on the NHL schedule in uh, not even a month and a half now. NHL draft lottery set for May 8th. This is like... This is one of those few draft lotteries in our lifetime that's like, okay, this is this is hockey fan life-changing. It's it's gonna be a big deal. Like they should be advertising it like that. Like May 8th, it's going to be a big deal. <laughs> I, I want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't mind that actually. <laughs> That'd be kind of funny. Um yeah, no, I mean, you're right. It is. It definitely is. Um, you know, one NHL team is going to have the, uh, you know, who will one day be the best player in the NHL on their roster for, you know, however long he, he's going to stay. One day be the best player in the NHL. That's hard. 
That's hard. That's very hard. I I have probably nearly as high of expectations for Connor Bedard as everyone does, but one day be the best player in the NHL is really hard considering McDavid's in his mid-20s, and who knows what the hell's coming in 10 years. Yeah, but there's an eight-year gap, right? So a 27-year-old Connor Bedard is going to be in the league at the same time as a 35-year-old Connor McDavid. That's kind of when I'm, you know, I'm just <laughs> an eight-year gap. I'm not saying he's going to be better than McDavid when he's 21 and McDavid's 29 at all, right? But there's there's even going to be a time in the league where Connor Bedard is in it and Connor McDavid is not, right? So <laughs> yeah, I, I feel I feel like that's a fair world in hockey right now. There's probably, there's probably some crazy ten year old out there right now. Yeah, go watch. It's called the Brick Invitational. <laughs> yeah, if you ever want to know who the best player in the league is going to be in 2030, they they're playing in that tournament this year. <laughs> it, is it the kind of thing where you can go back every year and see and it lines up? Yes, yes. <laughs> Genuinely, if you go on the, like the Brick leading scores, like it's just. You, especially if you go on elite prospects because then you can see like their nhl affiliation right beside it it's just peppered with superstars every time <laughs> how long has that tournament even been around for forever man it's 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 so like yeah it's crazy yeah if you guys don't know what we're talking about the break invitational is like i think what like an adam tournament if that where these like <laughs> nine-year-olds you know the best nine-year-olds in the in north america go play at this one tournament and like if you go back like it's like a nine-year-old johnny Gaudreau just tearing it out there's highlights too it's crazy what was that 132 thoughts episode where uh jeff or elliot was saying they talked to a a junior team's general manager and they're like uh they were like they they were like yeah i went home to my wife and i said honey i think i just traded for a nine-year-old yeah, because they traded like a really late because for some reason in the CHL, like they'll be like, OK, so we're going to throw in a 2028 seventh round pick to make this deal happen. And it's just absurd. Oh, yeah, honey, I hope this nine year old is really good. I hope he's not picking his nose right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, right. The fact that you could have just traded for a kid that's eating boogers right now. <laughs> That you did, bro. If you're trading a draft pick in the dub, because the other the other thing you have to understand about WHL draft picks, you draft them out of bantam. You're drafting oh. this kid in grade nine. So if you are trading for a ninth grader in 2028, that means he's in grade four right now, right? Like it's, he's it's, buggers right it's, now. It's pretty simple math. <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> All right. So uh, speaking of speaking of. Uh, um, let's see if I can do this. Speaking of random things during a hockey conversation that only the people talking about them find funny. Um, I say that with so much affection. John Garrett is retiring from okay, retiring. This is interesting, James. You and I talked about that this was a such bit. a weird segue. I know. Um, Cheech is done on the Canucks broadcast, it hurts my heart a little bit. Yeah, he's been around forever. Yeah, him and Shorehouse are a very easy crew to listen to, right? Uh Definitely, you know, I'll, I'll enjoy listening to both of them call a game, whether it's game 50 in January or whether it's game five of the first round against the St. Louis Blues in 2020. Like, you know, and Cuthbert did that series, mind you. But you know what I mean, right? Like, it's just uh, whether it's a big game, whether it's a uh, whether it's a, a random game, they they bring the same energy. They bring the same very positive vibes. And Garrett, uh, Garrett's a great color guy. You know, uh, I, I've I've talked about the fact that 
I will at times tap into other other commentators as calls when I'm calling games and whenever I did color, you know, I I I always, you know, it maybe John Garrett maybe wasn't the guy that I thought I sounded like the most, but uh I always wanted to match his energy and he he's going to be missed. Yeah, I can respect that. You know, there's not much I can say more than that except uh he's always seemed like a pretty positive, fun-loving guy. And uh and I hope whatever he does next in retirement, whether he's golfing, whether he's sitting on a beach, whether he is uh, hanging out with grandkids if he has them, I just hope he's hope he's happy and enjoying himself and continuing to be an upbeat, fun-loving guy. I have nothing but respect for the man. Next up, we have uh, one thing that I've been paying very, very close attention to. The... <laughs> Close attention to because my favorite team, the Colorado Avalanche, are in the thick of a battle for the Central Division title. Um, and this topic is Western Conference matchups. There's been all this talk about the Eastern Gauntlet, and reasonably so. It's absolutely wild over there. It is menacing in every sense of the word. But the West, you know, we've been talking all year about how it's pretty open right now. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights currently lead the Western Conference with 98 points in 73 games, and they look all but poised to win the West and have home ice advantage for at least at least uh, that side of the playoffs, right? And uh, but Colorado has had games at hand all year long, and they've fought injuries all year long. Continue to do so. Landeskog still hasn't played a game. Kale McCarr seems to be in and out. Hopefully he's in for a while now. Josh Manson out for a while. Uh, Eric Johnson has been out for a while. Arturi Lekkinen's done for the remainder of the season, probably a little bit in the playoffs. Uh, Pavel Francouz hasn't played for a million years. Like, it's... They've been getting hit with injuries a lot. Like, I'm curious how close they get to the man games lost record, because it's ridiculous. Um, But... They are one point behind the Minnesota Wild for the top spot in the Central. And they have a game at hand. Uh, the Dallas Stars are tied with them in, uh, in points, but they have a game at hand on Dallas too. And Winnipeg sitting seven points behind. Winnipeg kind of fell off a little bit. And it's not even that they fell off. It's that all of the teams behind them have been like 7-3-0, 8-2-0, 7-1-2 in their past 10, while Winnipeg's kind of just been floating. And uh, I've been paying very close attention to this because there's a geographical thing going on here. And that's because if Colorado wins the Central and stays behind Vegas, which looks like it could very well happen, and Seattle maintains that first wildcard spot, the Abs are going to be playing playoff hockey in Seattle. And you are going to drive. And I am going to take the Amtrak because it costs $30. And it is zero stress. It's just chill, show up with your passport, grab a hotel, come back. It's so simple, so easy, beautiful thing that I'm so excited to do if it happens. And if not, maybe I go see Minnesota or Dallas play in Seattle. Why not? I've never seen playoff hockey before. It sounds awesome. But yeah, the, the West is just so intriguing. I'm looking at these matchups right now. If the playoffs were to start today, 
Minnesota, Seattle, that sounds like a very fun series. I think of the hockey those teams play, I think it'd be a great watch. Colorado, Dallas, I am still angry from the bubble playoffs. I want revenge. I want. I know it's a very different team. I want revenge. I want all of it to be obliterated. I want. I want a five game series. I want no mercy. Vegas, Winnipeg. That's sick. And that one has a little bit of a historical tie to it too. There's a decent amount of players still on those teams that were on those teams in what was it, 2018 when that happened when they met in the Western Conference Final. Mark Scheifele probably wants revenge. And then you go to then you go to a rematch of last year's first round, LA and Edmonton. That was one of my favorite first round series last year. I honestly, there's all this talk about how crazy, how dangerous, how fun, how hard the the East is gonna be. I think the West is gonna be a great watch. I'm looking at all the teams that are in the playoffs right now. I think it's gonna be a great time. And then I don't know, Calgary and Nashville. I don't think either of them get in at this point. Um, Nashville has three games at hand on Winnipeg and is five points back. But still, I don't know. It's like the math is okay. And Calgary, same amount of games played as Winnipeg, four points back. I I worry that they're toast. It's it's kind of unfortunate. But, you know, if there's a year you're going to miss the playoffs instead of – instead of uh, instead of ending up getting toasted in the first round. Is it this year? Do you want that 0.3% chance of the first overall pick or whatever it is? You know, it's, uh, it's, the West is very intriguing. What do you think? What do you think about some of those matchups I pointed out? Well, I was going to say, yeah, Colorado, if they don't win the central, they're like guaranteed to have some sort of an interesting rematch. And that's what I always look for. I love those, like, oh, these two teams played in this round in this year. So Colorado, like you said, they have the 2020 second round against Dallas they can make up for, or another one of the most entertaining playoff series I've ever watched start to finish, the 2014 first round. Oh, the such a heartbreaker. Colorado oh. Avalanche and the Minnesota Wild, a rookie Nathan McKinnon just tearing Darcy Kemper in Minnesota to shreds only for Nito Niederreiter to score late to tie game seven and then again in overtime of game seven to send Minnesota to the second round. You know why Colorado lost that series, right? Tyson Berry wasn't playing. And why was Tyson Berry not playing? Matt Cook obliterated his knee. Because Matt Cook obliterated his knee. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was that. That was actually a really crazy season too because it was like Patrick Waugh, rookie head coach. They win the Central. Varlamov nominated for the Vezina. Like, Matt Duchesne playing probably the best hockey of his career it was uh a calder winning that was a calder winning mckinnon that year too calder winning mckinnon uh landeskog starting to come into his prime paul stastny and ryan o'reilly still on the team too like pa parento was kind of (laughs) clutch yeah there was uh there was some interesting stuff there it was a fun team to watch and uh that was the first ever playoff beard i attempted to grow at uh (laughs) At a at a ripe fifteen years old, and I honestly did all right. I did, I didn't do too bad. How's mine? Uh, do you want full truth, lies, or a hybrid? Uh, I think I'm. I think I know what you're gonna say if it's full truth. So we don't even have to answer the question. I'll give you the hybrid. Good, I want great. 
I want to <laughs> see I want to see some more life in it and a little less neck. That's valid. Yeah, definitely valid. You're, you're verging on neckbeard status, but it has good foundation. <laughs> I actually like. I do think. I I I do think this is this is the the most not neckbeard it's gonna look. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad when... you don't just grow the neck frizz. Those long neck frizzies, like <laughs> that's hard to see on people. When I moved, I kind of did just because it was like it kept my face warm. But then I got used to it, so I shaved it off. <laughs> you kept your face warm until like one time you got some like condensation into your beard, and then and then it froze and it was worse. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and in the Pacific, I was gonna say when you're talking about Western matchups, I Vegas is gonna win that division now. Like it, it's, it, I didn't want them to. I really wanted Edmonton to win the division, um, because I really wanted to see Vegas LA in a playoff series, uh, which cool. could still happen in the second round. Uh, it that just means that the Oilers would be knocked out in the first round, and I didn't want that to happen either. Which is possible. It is definitely possible, but again, I have the, I also have that on my playoff wish list, uh, a variation of how the Pacific Division would go that is now looking like it's not going to be a possibility, but uh, yeah. we'll get to that. <laughs> so one last thing before we uh, before we take a brief break and go junior. There are going to be some 50 goal scorers in the NHL this year. As we're as of the time we're recording this, uh, David Pasternak just finished scoring his 50th and 51st goals. Connor McDavid's already at 60. Miko Rantanen scored again today and is now at 47. Braden Point, Leon Dreisaitl, both at 45. Ovechkin and Tage Thompson, uh, not far behind. Ovi with 42, Tage at 44. I say we have at least 450 goal scorers this year. One of Point, Dreisaitl, and Thompson is going to get there. And then McDavid, Pasternak, Rantanen, uh, Rantanen is already signed, sealed, and delivered in my eyes. Dude, so, I was gonna say they're all gonna get there. I know that's like really wishful thinking, but I had six. Like I had everybody you just said hitting it. I think Ovechkin, Robertson, and Jack Hughes are all gonna come up short. Those are the other guys that are kind of sniffing, but they need to get hot. Uh, right, right. Like I think he, Jack Hughes, Jason Robertson, Alex Ovechkin, and maybe Kirill Kaprizov land in that forty-five to forty-nine. But I think Point, Thompson, Drysaddle, Ranton, and Pasternak, and McDavid are your 50s this year. And McDavid's I mean, Kaprizov's gonna... still not skating, so he might not even hit 40. I know, I know, I know. Uh, he would have to, he would have to, kind of speed up that timeline a little bit. Like I, I, I'm just hoping for Minnesota's sake that they get him in before the playoffs, so his first game isn't just a big playoff you, game that he needs you to. You think Tage still gets there, eh? I do. Yeah, he's yeah, he's 72 games, 44 goals. He needs he needs six and. Six and ten. The problem was that eight game stretch from March sixth to March nineteenth, zero goals. That really slowed him down. If he had one or two during that time, even. Yeah, he would have. Uh, he would have. Yeah, it, it, at the beginning of the season, sealed and delivered. Yeah, at the beginning of the season, it, it was looking a lot more uh certain that he was going to get there. Was he not there. on pace for sixty at one point? He was. He was. Well, do, don't forget Bo Horvat. Was also right. He's fallen off a cliff. He might not even hit forty anymore. Yeah, um, that's a thing. That's a thing. But yeah, it's just like what a time to be alive. Seeing all of these guys hit fifty goals. I really want point too. I think that'd be really cool. <laughs> that would be really cool if he could just be in that fifty goal scorer club. 
Yeah. We should have one guy every season who's like unlikely but gets there. I think Rantanen is unlikely but gets there this year, man. Like I I always saw Miko Rantanen as like this guy is such a good playmaker, right? I never kind of looked at Rantanen as a this guy's gonna ever hit 50 goals. Like I, you know, like his career high previously was like what 35? Like, <laughs> but his but his career high in assists was 56 or something, right? He hit that a couple of times. So mm-hmm. in, my, in my head, I was like, Miko Rantanen is gonna have a hundred point season. But it's going to be 35, 65 to get there, not, uh, not, not 50. But I and in McKinnon and Landeskog's absence, he's had to kind of evolve his role a little bit, which is what's well, helping him out. The one thing I've always seen is uh, when the team really needs a goal and it's one where they're in the zone for a while, he's usually that guy. Yeah, especially because once the once they're set up in the offensive zone, Rantanen's probably got one of the most lethal shots on the team. So it's it's hard to say, but I, I get what you mean about thinking of, of him as more of a playmaker. Definitely, I see what you mean. But on the other hand, it's always been evident in his game that he could do this. It's just when called upon and, you know, like maybe twice in his career is he going to have a goal scoring season like this. That's my thoughts, honestly, but maybe I'm dead wrong and maybe this is just the new norm. Who knows? I I'm happy either way. So, heading over the junior, we just got a couple quick things to talk about. Should we just get the Bedard one out of the way quick? Because, like, that's just it's, just, it's just a foregone conclusion that we have to talk about Connor Bedard every week. Yeah, it's almost just like a stat update, right? He scored 70 goals in the WHL this year. 57 games so far, or so far, sorry, I say so far as if he's going to play more. The dub's over. You know, uh, the first round is set. Uh, they're going in the playoffs. So he finishes the season with 57 games, 71 goals, 72 assists, 143 points for Connor Bedard to lead the WHL in scoring. That is including the fact that he missed a bunch of games to go to the World Juniors and to go to the camp. Um, How many games did they miss for that? Uh, he, well, just for a frame of reference, he played 57 games. The guy behind him, Chase Wheatcroft with the Prince George Cougars, he scored 107 points in 68 games. So Bedard played 11 ah. games less than the guy that finished second. Oh, so he could have had 80. Oh, for sure. Well, without a doubt. Uh um, had 85. Yeah. Well, you I think it's yeah, yeah. You if it, it's I, I'm pretty sure it is a 68 game season. Um so you've just <laughs> yeah, you've got yeah, you, you've got this guy unbelievable. So yeah, 143 points, 71 goals again. For frame of reference. The leading point score in the WHL last year was an overage Arch Deep Baines who had 112, and the leading goal scorer was an overage Ben King. Uh, an overage, sorry, overage isn't the right uh, terminology there. Ben King, who wasn't in his draft year, um, scoring 52. Um, King was a year out of it. He did get drafted last year, but he wasn't in his first year of eligibility. Um, so it's just it's 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 all the more reason and it's all the more attention to go on to that uh, draft lottery date because somebody's organization is changing forever in a way that uh, it probably never has the opportunity to just uh, change in one day again. Fun little question for you. Who who has the most goals ever in a WHL season and how many? Oh, dude. Something is screaming at me that it's. um that it's a BC kid. Is it Sakic? No, no, he's close. Okay, that was that was what I had. There was nothing else in my. 
It's Ray Ferraro with 108. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm actually disappointed in myself. I 108 goals, 192 points. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, that was a longer season, wasn't it? Yes, and yeah. it's also a fact that uh, he was playing in the BCJHL when he was drafted, and then he went and played two seasons in the dub after being drafted. Yeah. So that's a thing. But yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I think now it's time we talk about one Mr. Aiden McDonough. What do you have to say, Mr. Canucks fan? Yeah, he played tonight. Um, I watched a little bit of the game. I do struggle to watch whole games when I'm cheering for them to lose. Um, but I, I watched a little bit of him. He, you know, he, he looked like it was his first NHL game, wasn't making as much of an impact as he could have. But again, we're just going to highlight this because I, I like to highlight it every time you see it. It's a tier two player going late in the draft, tearing it up in the NCAA, and then finding their way to uh, to an NHL contract. McDonough was a seventh round pick out of the Canucks in 2019, out of the USHL. And he, you know, in the last two seasons at Northeastern University, 25 goals in 38 games last year, 20 goals and 38 points in 34 games this year. And uh, the Canucks signed him to a contract. He had his NHL debut, like I said, tonight in Chicago. And uh, yeah, I, you know, from what I've seen out of this guy, he's in the top 12 next year. Yeah. And I just think Aiden McDonough, like, I think a little bit of time in the minors to start next season might do him good. If he doesn't do that, if he just fleshes out a spot, the kid passes the eye test, at least I've seen, I've seen fairly minimal, but like the odd highlights here and there, and then bits and pieces of today's game in the background and, he looked all right. He he existed. He's an NHLer, and I hope he continues to develop. And I hope it's a good spot for him. And if not, whatever, another team will end up with him someday, and he'll carve out his spot. I I have no doubt in my mind this guy will be a solid player, probably in a depth role. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him make his dent in the league. But moving on, that's uh, that's all we got for junior. It's. Uh, it's time for a little bit of a segment Aiden had an idea for. I don't know if it's a segment, kind of just a piece we'll do. But uh, it's an NHL playoff wish list for 2023. Um, I know Aiden's prepared. Uh, me in classic James fashion, I'm just going to absolutely wing it because that's how I speak from the heart. Or at least that's what I told myself when I was 15 and didn't do my homework. But um, yeah. <laughs> And what do you, what do you got for me? Should we just go one by one? Sure. Sure. I'll start. Um so I'm just going to establish right now that I understand that uh there's <laughs> there's at least two things on here that are mutually exclusive. <laughs> so I can't have uh I can't have all these things come true and I'm sure that would be pointed out to me if I didn't establish that. Um but my number one is I want to see a Canadian Stanley Cup champion. And the Stanley Cup champion from Canada I want to see is the Edmonton Oilers. And I want to see a 50-point playoff win Connor McDavid, the Conn Smythe, en route to an Oilers Stanley Cup. That's my number one. All right. Wow. Um, that's a lot. Um, I think you got tough sledding there, buddy. But uh, yeah. I doubt it, but hopefully. Yeah, it's uh, not something I necessarily see happening, but, you know, I, I wish for the best for you. Actually, no, I don't wish for the best for you. I hope Colorado absolutely pumps Edmonton in a third round. The, I'd love to see that again. That would be awesome. But sure, uh, repeat, copy, paste. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, number one on my list is uh, actually, no, I'll get the Colorado one out of the way. Um, I want to see Colorado do damage. 
It doesn't necessarily mean a cup. It doesn't necessarily mean a final. I want to fight to the third round or at least a hard-fought second round. I don't want to see the kind of thing where uh, a defending cup champ is out in the first round, and I feel that way every year, regardless of whether or not it's a team that I like. I want to see the defending cup champs fight with all they got. Okay. My number two is an interesting one. Uh, and it's one that like is a hundred percent like these two teams are definitely going to play. Um, what I wanted to happen was I wanted the New Jersey Devils and the New York Rangers to play in the second round because I wanted to see the winner of that series take the the Metro, but the math isn't good for that not to be a first round matchup. Like right now it does look like Carolina is going to take the Metro and the Devils and Rangers are going to play in the first round, which is a, I'm happy settling for that. Um, but I, I want to see that. Uh, I want to see the New York, New Jersey playoff series. Cause that was a very fun series in 2012. And, you know, I just, uh, I, I really think that the winner of that series uh, could be the Eastern finalist. Like I truly believe that. I mean, yeah, totally fair. That's uh that's a solid one uh, for my next one. I want a veteran player to go on a deep run. It'd be really cool if it's one who hasn't won a cup, but a veteran player in general, whether that's Mark Giordano, Corey Perry, Jonathan Quick. Uh, that's just a couple off the top of my head. There's uh, there are several notable ones in the league. Mark Andre Fleury, uh, Joe Pavelski. You know, like it's uh, there's a lot of these guys you would like to see go on a deep run. Some of them have won in cups, some of them haven't, and. Uh, just seeing those veteran guys on those runs through, you notice a lot of them uh, tend to get interviews uh, post-game after a win. And uh, it's it's something that's pretty cool to see because it's uh, unlike a lot of the guys who are new to the league or guys who have maybe had playoff success so far early in their careers, they know that they might never get the chance again. And uh, that's laying it all on the table is something pretty special to see. So I'll get this one out of the way. This is the, <laughs> this is the easiest one every year. This is the one that stays pinned to this board every year. I want to see the Toronto Maple Leafs lose in the first round in game seven. <laughs> uh, it'll be to Tampa again, who have lost four straights. They're really, really, really making me nervous going into this playoff series. But, you know, I just, I'd love to see another Nick Paul two goal game where he, scores a sick goal and then kind of looks up at the crowd in Toronto with his arms out, former Senator. That was so satisfying last year. I can't, I can't even. Yeah. I, 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 I would love to see that again, just because I, I, I don't know if, I, I don't know if I'll ever get tired of it, man. Like it's... I'll play devil's advocate and you know, I'm a firm believer in this and, uh, and it's something that I always want to be over. I am very done with the Leafs out in the first round storyline. It's old. It's old news. It's not fun anymore. It's like the holiday Easter. Like it doesn't mean anything to me. It's like it 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 doesn't matter at all. And weirdly enough, both of them usually come in April. Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I I could do without Easter really being a holiday that gets all that much attention. And I could also do without the Leafs being out in the first round storyline, getting any attention, which is also a holiday to some people. And, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, as we've covered before, Ryan O'Reilly is my favorite player actively in the league. Um, 
I'd like to see him go on a run. That'd be pretty cool, even though he's already got his cup. Um, but yeah, I I am very done with the Leafs out in the first round storyline. Much like I'm done with the Canadian team not winning a cup storyline. Much like I'm done with the Sabres missing the playoff storyline. You know, like these these things get old. I like change. Uh, there's uh, How I Met Your Mother has always been one of my favorite shows. You know what Barney says? Newer is always better. And I want new storylines. I'm sick of these. Give me something new. All right. Next up for me, uh, it's looking right now like the Boston Bruins are going to either play the New York Islanders or the Pittsburgh Penguins in the first round. I'd love to see them get upset. I just think that'd be so cool if Sidney Crosby and the Pens just absolutely shock Boston round one. Like, I totally understand that's not going to happen in the slightest. But that would be my that would be interesting to see if that that, you know, like a deep, you know, I don't think it would be a, a quick series, even, you know, even if the series isn't ending in a sweep, it's not going to be like Columbus Tampa 2019. I don't even think Boston would sweep them. Um, I think Pittsburgh would seal a game um, even worst case scenario. But I just think that'd be so cool to see uh, to see Crosby and Malkin and that group that I've said for uh, a while now is is done. Uh, upset the president's trophy winners in round one uh yeah i don't mind that one at all uh and as we've covered i firmly believe boston is not going to make it out of the east uh the i've and if they do they're not going to win the cup i i i uh the president's trophy is a curse nine times out of ten and uh 29 times out of 30 man it's a curse look look at the uh, history there's there's uh Two or three, there's three times in my lifetime. I remember Chicago 2013. I don't remember it happening another time that I would have watched. Detroit 02. Okay, yeah. So I not in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I want to say maybe one of the, maybe like 98 Red Wings might have been. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. I I don't really think Boston's going to do it. They have a crazy team, and they also added everything at the deadline. And what happens to all those teams that add everything under the sun at the deadline? Do they ever win the cup? Not often. Not often. So, which is kind of ironic you're saying that because my cup pick is still the Rangers. But <laughs> <laughs> all right, so okay. my, my fourth one. It is number four, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I got one more after this. Yeah. So my fourth one. Uh, I want to see a. Full-on unlikely hero. It'd be even cooler if it was a goalie. I'm talking like when you have that player who steps up fully to the next level, whether they're filling in for an injury or they just rise up the lineup through performance. Um, as much as this one breaks my heart to say, when Dallas marched to the finals, yeah. uh, Kiviranta, the four-goal game. Hat-trick, right. hat-trick rather. Kiviranta had the game seven hat trick. Guryanov yeah. had a big four yeah. goal game. In yeah, the first so the Kiviranta three goal game, the hat trick. Like that's nobody even knew who that guy was. Yes, I understand hardcore hockey fans knew who he was, but like you get what I'm saying. I I vaguely knew of his existence, like uh, <laughs> or like uh, even crazier, like a like a like when the Flyers made the 2010 finals with Michael Layton playing most of their games in the crease just having that full-on unlikely hero the guy you would never expect uh a Devonte smith pelly who looked like 
he was going to be out of the league eventually. For He just never really lived up to expectations. Uh, just being awesome for the Capitals. Dude, like, he was there's, a god. There's stories <laughs> of these guys every other year, I swear. There's another guy every time. Like for Colorado, Arturi Lekkinen wasn't the most unlikely, but he was he was an unlikely hero in my eyes. That guy scored huge goals and had a great playoffs. Alec Martinez. Alec Martinez. Lars Eller. Yeah. Yeah. There's these guys all the time. Brian Bickle. Brian Bickle was so good in the 2013 playoffs, man. Dave Boland in the yeah. same win. You know? Yeah. yeah. There's always well, I mean, guys like this. Think of, go backwards, Stanley Cup winning goals, and think how many are superstars and how many would you not have had on the bingo card, right? Like, it's just... It, it, there, there, there's always there's always those names right they, they always happen ross colton scored the cup winning goal in 2021 yep. right in point was 2020 uh 2019 petrangelo okay there's your superstar uh 2018 was lars eller you could argue Braden points also a superstar oh he totally is no 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 uh 2018 eller 2017 was hornquist not the most unlikely hero but um, that was a cool storyline against his old team too. Uh, 2016 Latang, 2015 Keith. Uh, then you have Martinez. Uh, then Dave Boland, right? You're getting into the the weirder ones. Dustin Brown was 2012, I think technically. Um, 2011 was Bergeron. Then you have Kane and um, Max Talbot, 20, 2009 Game Seven, two goals and a two one win, right? Like stuff like that. I totally get what you mean. It's awesome. Yeah, you, you just want to see that kind of thing keep happening and doesn't have to necessarily be a cup winning goal. It's like that guy who just rises to the occasion and, and just becomes like becomes like a supplemental heartbeat of the team. It's just it's awesome to see. And like I said, it would be even cooler if it's a goalie. Well, you're up, fella. What do you got? OK, so this is the one that uh, my number five and my number one are mutually exclusive at this point. So um the Oilers are not going to win the Pacific, which means that for the Vegas Golden Knights and LA Kings to play, it would have to be because one of them beat Edmonton in the first round and they're playing in the second round. But I want to see Vegas beat LA in a series that Jonathan Quick wins for them. <laughs> yeah, that, would that not be that the... a reach, but that's probably the funnest reach. Yeah, 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 yeah. My reach last year was when the Hurricanes and the Rangers played in the second round. I wanted Georgiev to fight D'Angelo. <laughs> that obviously didn't Whoa, happen. Whoa, that's but, a deep reach. Yeah. Whoa. Do you know what? Funny story, actually. When I was at Sportsnet 650 for the internship, that's the first thing I ever said on air was they were wow. asking for, like, random playoff wishes and didn't have to be possible. So I just turned on the mic from the producer's booth. I was like, guys, I should really want to see this. It'd be so funny. <laughs> what was their response like? Well, it, they asked. They were like, okay, so are we talking, like, Georgiev hops off the bench because it's just Durkin's crease. I was like, I think that'd be even funnier if D'Angelo was like skating by the bench, says something, and Georgiev comes off to fight him. <laughs> or blockers him in the head. Yeah, yeah just clotheslines him as D'Angelo is <laughs> skating past the bench. <laughs> oh, okay, that's pretty good. Uh, so I have one left. You're done, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, my last one. Uh, Patrick Kane hoist the cup in MSG. It's a tough one, but yeah, it is possible because you know that like he's gonna be one of the first few guys that gets it if they were to win. 
He's got to be one of the first few guys to get a hand at the cup. I would, I would think at least. Yeah, I actually, it'll. It, I think Panarin would give it to him. That, yeah, that's how oh, that's how it would the, have to go. The passing it to him. Yeah, moment. yeah, yeah. Oh. Like I think it, it's Truba, and I'm just trying to think of that Rangers roster. Is there anybody? Obviously, Truba is the captain. So Truba gets it first. Is there anybody I'm missing off that Rangers roster that's like a oh like Kimo Timonen, right in 2015? Like he has to like Kreider, maybe, right? He's been in New York forever, right? Pro Slav Halak. Oh, uh he's never won a cup. Hey, he's a vet. That that's actually a good oh. shout. Um yeah, I think it goes, I think it goes Truba. Kreider, Panarin, Kane. That's actually what I'm that's what I'm calling. And then Halak. <laughs> <laughs> no, Kane. Yeah, actually, I mean, that would be such a random one. <laughs> and then Jimmy VC. Yeah, Canucks legend. Yeah. Both of them, actually. Maple Leafs legend, actually. Dude, my vote is Tyler Mott. Just <laughs> takes it from Truba, but that's not going to happen. No, that's not going to happen. I yeah. love Tyler Mott, but that's that's like a, that's not it. That's not no. going to the, you know, I, the other ones we were joking about, honestly, I think Jimmy VC is more likely than Tyler Mott. I don't know. You got to be in that room to know that, right? All right. Well, um, before I just remembered this before we go into trivia and before I say my line, um, I actually uh, I, I changed my mind on what hockey quote I'm going to get tattooed on my arm really i did not think you could upgrade from from what you had but what what's what is it well oh no no you know what what it is now i think because before i always had off the floor on the board for paul korea yeah yeah that was the one that i was under the impression it was you have not updated me if it's changed you just told me it was a font problem which i it is a font problem that's a really difficult problem it's I'm like, a graphic designer. I can give you so many dope fonts. <laughs> okay, well, well, yeah, you're gonna have to give me some yeah. for this one. Yeah. So, in the 1970s, the late great Fred Shiro, the coach of the Philadelphia Flyers, was coaching the Broad Street Bully Flyers in the Stanley Cup Finals, and I believe it's do or die game. And uh, and he walks into the room and says, "Gentlemen, win tonight, and we walk together forever." So I want win tonight, and we walk together forever. And uh, one of my friends said, "Just get walk together forever. That rings better." But I think that takes out the hockey element, and I want yeah, to be logged as a nerd for life. I, I agree with you. I like that. So yeah, that I think like as much as I'm like as much as I love Paul Korea and that moment is like one of the craziest ones in hockey for me, and I will never forget it. And Scott Morrison's call will echo through my brain until the afterlife. Dude, was it not Gary Thorne? Am I tripping? Dude, it was totally Scott Morrison. Oh my god, dude. Like I keep James, I mean, like have you watched the video uh, where they're interviewing Paul, like, and he's like surfing and stuff and talking about it? Uh yes, but like it's when from, it came like, four out, years, it's from, yeah, like, four years ago or yeah. something. Yeah, I watched it when it came out. 
Yeah, and uh, they the interviewer asked him like, "Have you ever talked to Scott Morrison like about like the call or anything like that?" And he's like, "Oh no, I never have," and that's the only reason I know it's Scott Morrison. Dude, like I'm like, <laughs> if you weren't so sure, I would be so sure. Like, okay, well, we'll bring this. We'll bring this to next episode. Okay, we'll, oh, we'll just and then one more thing. I'm about to win not one, not two, but three hockey bets with my friends from throughout the season. Ooh. So uh, the first one I'll say, uh, my friend Cole, who we've talked about before, diehard Penguins fan. Uh, I think three weeks ago, I bet him 20 bucks the Penguins don't make the playoffs. And it's possible still. Yeah, I, I think they're in. But yes, it is possible. And then also with Cole, at the start of the season, we made this bet. The winner gets $20 from the other. And uh, uh, whoever whoever picked the team with more points at the end of the season out of these two, because we we're having an argument about it, he was trying to tell me Montreal would have more points than Ottawa this year. Oh, that's a bad take. That was a dumb bet. That's dumb. Very yeah. dumb. And then uh with my friend colton who one of my best friends we lived together last year it was uh 20 to whoever's closer to alexis lafreniere's points i picked 48 he picked 63 oh that was dumb too well honestly i thought he was gonna have like 50 no me too uh, but i i would i would have picked it in i would have picked in the 50 to 60 range uh-huh. but on that rangers team you have to like Mm-hmm. you have to look at that team and say it might not be this year <laughs> might not be this year i've no doubt he's going to continue getting better slowly but it's going to yeah. sick goal the other night yeah oh he definitely did he, he, he looks good lately yeah and he cooks in playoffs yeah i'm excited to watch the rangers play actually but yeah so uh i i'm at least going two for three on that on those bets unless laugh has three straight eight point games yeah, no, you're not going to get the Pittsburgh one. That's my call, but. I don't want to see Crosby and Malkin out of the playoffs, but I want to win a bet against them. So. It's a double-edged sword. But you know what time it is. It's not the great Canadian hockey podcast without a couple great games to play. What do you got for me this week, Aiden? Um, I have a continue. He's not too much pain and suffering. I'm okay. exhausted. I have like a continuation of the um the the thing we kind of started a couple weeks ago where it's like I'm just gonna give you three pieces of information about a player and you gotta just give it to me who the player is, right? So it's not like a career trajectory, it's just like hey, I'm going to throw throw something out and you gotta you gotta tell me who it is, okay? So this is this is not a trade. No, no, this is just like I'm gonna tell you three facts. Yeah, we pertain did to we one. Did this. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, they're gonna to pertain to one player. You gotta tell me, okay? Yeah, and I screwed up the Alex Kerfoot one. Yes, that was then. Okay, so player one was a 2008 top ten pick. He did uh, on the 2009 Canadian World Junior winning roster that had Jordan Eberle and John Tavares on it, this player actually led the team and the tournament in points. 
and he was involved in a trade at the 20 or at or around the 2012 trade deadline that sent him from a contender to a bottom feeder where he would play three full seasons before having to retire before injury reasons. I raised my hand. I have the answer. Yeah. I had the answer after you said he led that tournament in scoring. Nice. I respect Cody Hodgson. That. It was Cody Hodgson. I loved him so much, man. <laughs> have you checked in at all on what he was what he what he did after retirement? I saw he was running a hockey school. Yeah, he's doing something like that in Ontario. Yeah, I think I think that's pretty cool. You always want to see like guys not lose their love for the game when it fizzles out. So I think it's pretty cool to see that. Yeah, no, and and yeah, like he he was it was the Zach Cassian trade, the trade that brought mm-hmm. Cassian in Vancouver. There was rumors he he was at odds with like the team, but he ended up having back problems, right? Buffalo signed him to like a mega deal and then his back just kind of gave out. And he got paid. He did get paid. He got his money. <laughs> he got his money for all that promise he showed, but uh You also remember that like either. Kessler was kind of injured a bit that year and Hodson was rookie of the month during that year for one for a month. Oh, dude, he was so good, man. Like, I, oh, oh it hurts my heart still. Like, it, yeah, it, it definitely, it, it definitely still hurts. Um, yeah, okay. So, number two, I have this one, uh, is also, so we were talking about like odd playoff heroes. Um, this guy was a rookie on the 2019 Columbus Blue Jackets, scored two goals and three points in eight games in the playoffs, including multiple big goals in the first-round series that they swept the Tampa Bay Lightning. He looked like a promising young player for the Columbus Blue Jackets until recently when he unexpectedly left for Europe. Is this Alexander Texier? Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. I, just, I had a hard time uh, thinking about that one because uh, um, his NHL rookie cards are for the nineteen twenty season. So that's yeah. messing with my head a bit. Yeah, because he only played two regular season games in 1819, yeah. and then he stepped yeah. into the playoffs and was pretty good. Yeah, that was so random, hey? 36 games, 11 goals, 20 points in 21-22, and he just goes to Switzerland. Um, I heard there was like uh, pers- – was- there was stories. There was personal stuff going. There on. was he, and I've since heard that he is eyeing a comeback. Well, and is he not from France? He's yeah, he's French. You know, like you got to think about it. Like at that age, some some parents have their kids at a decently old age, or there could have been a family issue. There could have been uh, a personal issue and wanting to be closer to family. There could have been uh, just not feeling comfortable and wanting a reset. And uh, what better place to reset than Switzerland? Is that not one of the most beautiful places on the planet? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, did Joe Thornton not go to Switzerland during the lockout and then fall in love with a Swiss girl? And, like, he very... And does he not go there all the time? Like, <laughs> Joe Thornton's such a legend, man. Oh, he's the GOAT. In terms of awesome dude? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is uh this is a little bit of a twist on what we've talked about already in this episode. We're talking about random playoff heroes, right? So this guy to me is a very random playoff villain. Um so in the 2012 Stanley Cup final game 6, New Jersey had won, I believe back-to-back games, right? Yes, they had. I so they know were, who this is. 
Oh, you were going to get it already? I'll finish up just so people know. I was actually only going to give you one for this. Can I give I you the actually... initials? Um, you know who it is. I don't, I don't need to know you know who it is. I'm got, let me finish so then you can give the answer. Um, so it's this it's player. Just a second, you said playoff villain for the Devils in game six. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that was all the information I was going to give you. Um, but this guy early on in game six, the Devils had all the momentum, man. They had won back to back games. They could win in LA on game six to force a game seven in New Jersey. Only team that beat LA twice. Yes, in the whole playoffs. Um, they were the only team to beat the Kings when the Kings were on the road in the whole playoffs too. They won, so, yeah. they won game five in New Jersey. That was the first road loss the Kings had in the whole playoffs. Um, so Which is wild game... considering all the stories you've heard uh, over the past five, ten years uh, from like inter- uh, player interviews, like uh, like guys who were on that team going on other former players' podcasts. Those guys were going out every single night on that run they were partying till the sun came up every single night on that run from what i from what i can tell so the fact that they were road warriors that hard and then they're in two ways that's just it's it's unbelievable it's ridiculous so what I was going to say was uh, this guy got a five-minute major early in game six. The Kings scored three goals on the five-minute power play, and the series was over right there. Who took the penalty? I almost, like, wish I had it wrong, just so, like, just because I, like... Just how cocky you were about it? I mean, like, I said before twice over the course of this episode, like, I'm exhausted. Go easy on me. And I didn't think they were going to be that easy. The Texier one had me kind of like off for a sec. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So this one's Ryan Carter. Dude. Dude. <laughs> After all that. Is it not Ryan Carter? <laughs> you are making me doubt it now just with how sure you are. I am 99. I'm very, sure Ryan, I'm very sure Ryan Carter took that penalty. I'm almost positive it was Steve Bernier. I'm pretty sure it's Ryan Carter. Okay, because this this literally was one I just came up off the top of my head, and I was like, I know it, so I didn't check. Um, I'm fairly certain that it was Hockey Ryan reference Carter. is a beautiful thing. Yeah, Steve Bernier, five in a game what? for boarding early in the first period. <laughs> Dude, I've had conversations with people about Ryan Carter making that hit. No, I knew it was Bernier. He's a Canucks legend, man. (laughs) Wow. Well, you know how I said I wish that I got it wrong? You did. Yeah. (laughs) It was the the worst way you could have got that wrong. Oh, especially because, like, the buildup of, like, yeah, I already know what it is. And then me being like, let me finish the thought. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a good one. What a good way to end the pod. Dude, that's tough. <laughs> what a good way to, I think that's hilarious. That made the content way better. Like, you had me doubting more, it, man. Is that not more amusing to listen to now than, than it was? <laughs> than if you just said the right name and that was like, the Oh, idea. yeah, it's this guy. Done. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. Yeah, see ya. <laughs> uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. I haven't looked at our optics in quite a quite a while. I don't know how many people are listening, but me and Aiden are still having a phenomenal time uh, recording the pod. Every time we do it, we just have a good time because 
you know, as we've talked about before, we just sit down and shoot it around about hockey. And that's, uh, that's one of our favorite things to do. And I hope that we're entertaining you guys doing it. So thank you very much. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you in the next one. Cheers, guys.